Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Come on, turn with me over to Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 2. We're going to bounce around a few different places in the book of Ephesians. But we have been going through a, a series on identity as we see it in the book of Ephesians. Okay? And so this week is the last week of that, of that series. Uh, this is week number six. And so we're going to basically this morning sum up and kind of look at as a whole what we've talked about the last six weeks. And so this material that, that, we've, that we've kind of gone through these past few weeks is material that we, we help to bring to other churches and other places of the world. And so we've got, by the grace of God, we've, we've, we've established relationships with churches in Africa and in India and in Asia and South America, all over the place. And long-standing relationships, 10, 20, 30-year relationships with some of these churches, these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And oftentimes, as we, as we talk with our brothers and sisters, they're not necessarily asking for us to come down and, and build a home or paint something or anything like that. What they say is, look, we need help training our leaders in these churches. And so a couple of years ago, for instance, Brian Hogwarf and I went to a church in Africa in, uh, in Zimbabwe, and they, had, they gathered their leaders together from all over the country. And they said, would you please teach us the Bible? And as we sit down with these church leaders, we're sitting along pastors of churches who are too poor to even own a Bible. I mean, they, they got there by bus, by borrowing rides. I mean, they, they got this training, and some of the guys are like, we don't even have money to get back, back home. We're just, we're just glad to be here. We, we're going to try to figure out how we're going to get home after this. I mean, that's how desperate they were for the Word of God. And so as, as we go through some of this material, as we've gone through, this is the material that we're teaching the various pastors and, and leaders of other churches where we go. And so what they'll do is we'll gather together, we'll, we'll, we'll teach the, the pastors, and we'll, they'll take this material that we've been teaching them, and now they've got materials and resources for another six months or even a year of, of preaching and helping the church grow. And so as we, as we open God's Word together this morning, this is something that, that, that people in some ways all over the world have gone through. And so this is a wonderful thing, uh, John, Dr. John Leitzel, John Leitzel at Crosspoint Church, he's developed a lot of this material. And so this is, it, it's, it's an awesome opportunity that we have to learn with our brothers and sisters. This isn't just our material, this is this is the church's material. And so it's, it's a great thing. And next week, we'll be beginning a series on, on the parables. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, getting back to Ephesians, um, we're talking about our identity as we relate to the Lord, as we, as we relate to God in the book of Ephesians. And so especially as we relate to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if, if the guys could pass out the, uh, the cubes. So Crosspoint did the same series, and they've, they've made these cubes. And these cubes are pretty cool. They're not, they're not dice. We're not playing big dice here. But um, these have various aspects of the way in which the book of Ephesians, so maybe one per family. I don't know. We, we only have about 60 of them, so hopefully that's enough for one per family. Um, so this is who, so you can see on one side, for instance, it says the sun, right? 
And so as in the book of Ephesians, it talks about us as we relate to the Son, God the Son, Jesus, we're His body. Which that means is that we're an incarnational people. We embody who Jesus is. So we look and there's also the next side would be the Spirit. So as the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about us being soldiers for the Lord. Which means we're, we're on mission that we've been sent. So you can go, as you read through the book of Ephesians, which I strongly encourage you to do, look on the cube as you read through and find the place that it talks about our identity in that chapter, in that verse, and see, okay, so is the Spirit, we're the, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that means we're, the very presence of God is with us, there's a filling of the Holy Spirit, there's an empowering of the Spirit, and so that's, you can see on each side, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so it's a Trinitarian understanding in the book of Ephesians of our identity. Does everybody get that? It's a little bit confusing at first, but I think this will be helpful as you read. I encourage you to read through the book of Ephesians. Find where it's talking about. You can see it on here, and then you'll be able to go through it. All right, so use those cubes. I don't want to find 30 cubes here after church, okay? Take them home, please. All right. So we're going to begin this morning as as a bit of a wrap-up, just kind of highlighting some of the things that we've gone through in the past six weeks. So the first thing that we, that we talked about in week number one was God as the Father. And so how does the Apostle Paul, as he's written the book of Ephesians, how does he describe our relationship as God's people to God the Father? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, if you want to turn there with me or just open your phones and go to your favorite Bible app. Ephesians 2, verse 19, we read this, So then, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And members of the household of God. This is what the gospel does for us. This is what Christ has accomplished for us in his death and his resurrection. Right? Our sins have been removed. We've been forgiven We've been brought into a right relationship with God, but it's so much more than that. As beautiful and as wonderful as that is, He does this for us. He brings us into His family. We're brought into a family. We have a place of belonging. That means it makes us brothers and sisters in the family of God. That's what the gospel's done for us. It makes us brothers and sisters. I remember when I was uh, probably about 12 or 13 years old, my dad's sister, she married, she married later in life, and she married a guy who already who was previously married and had three kids. And so right from the get-go, day one, all of a sudden at our family get-togethers, we've got three more cousins. And it was great. It was awesome because now we've got three, three more cousins, it's more kids to play with, more fun to be had. But the thing is, they're part of the family. There's no distinction between me and them. They're full members of the family. Every family get together, every family birthday, graduation, all that stuff, all that we do, they're there. They're in the mix because they have been brought into the family. And this is what God does for each and every one of us. We come into an already established family with brothers and sisters all across the world. 
Our family is so much bigger than just the few people that meet here at Mercy Hill. We have got brothers and sisters all over the world. Now let me ask you something. What's the farthest you have ever had to travel for a wedding? So a destination wedding. What's, who do you, who's traveled probably the farthest to go to a destination wedding? Anyone travel like, okay, other, anyone been to another country for a wedding? Where at? Bermuda. That would be awesome. All right, Jake, and where'd you go? We went to Korea. Okay, so I think you win. I think you win. You traveled the farthest for a wedding. Here's the thing. Nobody thinks that's strange. Nobody thinks, wow, you, tr- you went to Bermuda or you went to Korea for a wedding because that's what you do as family. I mean, that's just part of being in the family. And as we talk about our relationship with other people, sometimes it's like, man, why would, you, why would you go so far on a missions trip or to meet or to go serve other people? Why would you spend so much money? Why would you do all these other things for these other people that you've never met before? It's because we're family. And that's what family does. That's what the family of God does. It's the beautiful thing that we are brothers and sisters with people all over the world. God has brought us into His family. And He's saved us and redeemed us and brought us in as as full members of the family. We're not junior members. We're not part-time members. We are full members of the very family of God. It's a beautiful thing that God has done for us. Number two, as we relate to Christ, Jesus, we read that we are His body. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And this is what it reads. It says, And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body. It's talking about Christ, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. This is what God has done. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've been brought into the body of Christ, that we are His hands and feet. We represent Jesus Christ to the whole earth, that He's now our head, He's our Lord, He's our King, He's our Savior. That means we order our lives around Him, not try to order Him around our lives. Christ has supremacy over everything. This is what Christ Jesus has done. So if we want to know what Christ looks like, we look at His body, we look at His church. And oftentimes we, we, we talk about the church, there's, there's so much negativity that goes on as we talk about, even, even amongst Christianity. We can look at the church and say, oh, the church has failed in so many ways, you know, the church is full of selfish people, hypocrites, Pharisees, greedy people, liars. I mean, all those things. We can go on and on and on. People go on and on all day about the church. And sometimes that can affect the way that even we think about the church, Christ's body. Man, it's a, it's a huge mess. Sometimes like, it is. It, it, we are a huge mess. But by the grace of God, He loves us still and calls us His body still. Doesn't get rid of us, ditch us, forget us. So I looked, at, I looked this week at a couple of different scenarios about what does, what does the church do well? I mean, how are we representing Christ to the, to the world? So I, 
the church gives, on average, per year, the church global gives $31 billion away each year to missions. $31 billion. So that's, that's a big number. Okay, what would that... $31 billion, how much is that? I mean, it's hard to tell. Okay, so if you were to count from zero to... Thir- if you were to count in one sitting from zero to 31 billion, how long would it take? Take you 3,000 years. 3,000 years to count from zero to three, 31 billion. Okay? So if you had... If you took one number per second, okay, if you counted one number per second, so speed up a little bit, one number per second, 31 billion years would be around 1,000 years. That's how much the church gives away annually to missions. Annually to missions, the church gives away $31 billion. Now you can say that's a small percentage of, of you know global, all that kind of stuff. But that's the compassion and mercy of God. We should be amazed. This is the grace of God at work. It's amazing to think this is an evidence of God's grace amongst his people. The fact that we haven't have anything to share with other people is the grace and mercy of God. That this little church here in Munster, that we've been able to put a, put a, a roof on a church in Africa, that we've been able to send Bibles, that we've been able to support orphans, that we've helped build orphanages, that we've helped train pastors, that we've supported missionaries all over the world. I think what, a, what an unbelievable privilege and, and an evidence of God's grace in our midst. This is the body of Christ. This is the, the, the passion and mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ at work in our very midst before our very eyes. This is what God is doing and has done and will continue to do amongst his people to the day he returns. God promises these things. He is at work all around us. And it's because Christ Jesus, because he cares and he loves and he has compassion, and his patience, and his goodness is lavished upon people over and over and over again. And we get to participate with him as his body, as his people. So we're members of the family of God. We are the body of Christ. And lastly, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, we read this. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. This, is, this, this whole section of, of Ephesians is such a beautiful picture of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at work. The presence of God with His people. I remember my, I had an Uncle Dave who, when we bought, we bought our first home 14 years ago, he was just an amazing electrician, he was a mechanic. He was a HVAC guy. He was a carpenter. I mean, he just knew how to do everything. And whenever he'd come over to work, he had a job to do, but he would always invite me to work with him. And most of the time, he was like, just hold this, right? Just hold this flashlight, hold this pliers, hold the ladder, you know, whatever. And I would ask him, hey, can you explain to me how this, how electricity works in the house? And he's like, you know what? He's, 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 he went into it about 30 seconds. He said, you know what? It's just easier if I do the work and you hold the flashlight kind of thing. So just, you know, hang out with me for a little bit. But it was less about the work and more about the relationship. 
And it was the experience of working together, together that made those times so precious to me. And as he's passed away many years ago, I still remember the times that we had together just, just holding the flashlight, being together. And I think the Holy Spirit of God is with his people as the spirit of presence and relationship. It's not as much about how much can we, fi- how much can we accomplish, how much work can we finally do, how much, how much good can we produce so that we're worth something, or that we can prove to everyone that we are the, 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 the body of Christ, or, or that we can f- make an impact and name for ourselves. God the Holy Spirit comes alongside us as a spirit of relationship and of presence. And as we go about following Him and, and walking in obedience to Him, He's not with us to get a job done per se. He's with us as a spirit that comes alongside to help, to support, to help, to care for, to nurture, to love. God in His Holy Spirit is with us as a spirit of relationship and presence because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I just want to close with just a couple of thoughts for us as we wrap up. I don't know if you've ever been to the brunch at Munster Performing Arts Center. Okay, so if you're new around here, there's a Munster Performing Arts Center about two blocks from here. And I don't know if they do it every week or just on special occasions, but they have a brunch. And this brunch is phenomenal. There is a lunch table, a breakfast table, that's like a mile long, right? And you get there after church, and you're starving, like probably many of us are right now, and you're thinking about food, and so you're, you're, you're completely shutting me off right now. So don't do that. Stay with me. And this, you, you, get to the, you get to the table, and you grab your plate, and you go up to this line, and there's like Belgian waffles, and pancakes, and sausage, and bacon and you know you go through all this great food and then you get to the very end of the table and you realize that there is a special chef with a special outfit on and there's a special table and there under this lamp is the prime rib and you're looking at your plate and you're like I just filled up with pancakes and there's prime rib to be had now I'm angry because I want to eat prime rib and I don't want to eat pancakes anymore. There's prime rib with a special chef and a special table and everything. They didn't put that guy at the front of the line. He's at the end of the line, right? And so oftentimes for me, I'm like, yeah, I know I can make multiple trips, but you know, I'm just, I'm hungry now and I want prime rib right now. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to fit the prime rib in with the rest of the pancakes and sausage and bacon because that's what I do, right? I think in some ways, I think in some ways, as we approach the Lord for, for who He is, oftentimes I've approached God in the same way. Right? If God's the prime rib and He is it, He's all that we sang about this morning. He's all that we declare. But yet so often I go through my life and I fill up my plate with this, all this other stuff and I get super busy, and I get super involved, and I pick up hobbies, and I got all this stuff going on, and then at the very end of the day, I'm like, oh, and then there's the Lord, and I've got to somehow try to fit you into an already busy schedule. And so I try to squeeze him in when I can, and I try to work around other things, and as long as I get him on the plate, I should be okay. And I feel like God's encouragement for us God's encouragement for us is that we would clear the plate. 
We would say, God, you get supremacy over everything. And that all that other stuff, as good as Belgian waffles are and bacon and sausage and all that stuff, as great as that stuff is, it's nothing compared to you. And that you get first priority on the plate and all that other stuff will be added later. But God, you get priority. And I want to read for us Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. Because this is Paul's apostolic, his, 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 his cry, his, his desire, his passion for the church comes out right from the get-go. He's like, guys, look, this is my heart for you. As I write to you, as I communicate to you these truths about the gospel, about who God is, about who we are in light of the truth of the gospel, I want you to understand a couple things. And this one thing in particular is what's, what's, what's on my mind. And so we read this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So this is his prayer for the church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this word he uses for knowledge, it's, it, it's, it's a good translation, but in the NIV it says this, is that you may know him better. That you may know Jesus better. You may know Him more, more completely, more fully. That of everything that I'm going to tell you this morning, of realizing our identity, of realizing how we relate to God, how the gospel affects us and impacts us, I want you to know Him more. This has been my prayer for you this week. As I prayed for you this week, by name, individually, for you and your spouse and your children and your family, as I prayed for you this week, this has been my prayer, that you would know him more. And that's why, we, that's why as we read these things, that is our passion. That is our desire. Isn't that our desire as a church, as God's people? That we would be able to say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to fall more in love with you. I want to leave this place with a better understanding and knowledge. And the word that they use for this isn't just a knowing about. This isn't just a Facebook friend kind of knowing. Right? This word that Paul uses for knowing, it's the fullness of knowledge that's acquired through a close, personal relationship. It's a fullness of knowledge acquired through a close, personal relationship. Isn't that what we want? That kind of relationship. A close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the invitation for each one of us this morning. As we go through God's Word, we open his word as we sing his praises as we lay our lives before him that wouldn't just be a knowing about as in i know god and i've been to church and we sang some nice songs and as great as those things are 
that we as God's people would be able to say, God, I want to know you. A close, personal relationship with God. And that is what he is offering. That is what his desire is for his people. God's desire for his people is not a, a desire that somehow they would just sort of know him or sort of have an acquaintance with him. It's a deep, personal relationship with him. And that is the invitation for us this morning, that we would know God for who he is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is Trinity, God is for who he is. This is the desire of our hearts. This is the invitation that God has given to us as his people. We're going to close with communion. I invite the ushers to come up and distribute the communion elements. Communion is an opportunity for, for God's people to declare as they take the bread and the cup that we belong to Jesus. And it's also an opportunity for us to worship the Lord for what He's done and give thanks to Him. But as we close, we're, I'm going to pray. The team's going to lead us in a song and then we're going to take the elements together. But God is Father, Jesus as our Lord, and the Spirit as our Helper. If you do not know the Lord this morning, I would invite you to trust Him. To cry out to Him, to ask Him, Lord, I want to know You. I want to walk with You. I want to know about You. I want to know You for who You are. As we pray, we're going to pray together. You can follow with me in prayer. We want to surrender ourselves to the Lord today. As we do that, as we place our faith in Him, He's promised that we would know Him and walk with Him. So God, this morning, Lord, we submit and surrender ourselves to You. God, we thank You for the invitation of relationship and of life. God, our desire, our passion, God, our, our cry of our heart, Lord, is that we would know You. God, that we would know You, Lord. We don't want to just go through this life, God, knowing about You and somehow having a vague recollection of who You are, God, but we want to know You in the fullness of who You are. And God, our identity as we relate to You as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, we are Your people. God, and we belong to You. So God, we pray, fill us. Strengthen us. Help us. Jesus, we trust You. We trust in Your offer of salvation. Your life and Your death and Your resurrection, God, was enough for us. We thank You for that this day. In Your name we pray. Amen.